0: We'll turn to the book of Joshua tonight, Joshua chapter uh, 14, and uh, we will commence to read at verse uh, 6. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. And when you find the place, then we will read a few verses from this chapter. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses sware on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet hath trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold the land, behold the Lord, hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to do, to to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the um, uh, Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. May God bless his word to our hearts uh, this evening. I want to talk for a little time about the times and the testimony of Caleb. And I may continue on for two or three weeks on this same theme. In uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, there is an outstanding man, Who was a great encourager to Christian as he travelled on the road to the celestial city? His name is, as many of you will know, Mr. Greatheart, a very appropriate name because he loved the Lord with all of his heart. Furthermore, he trusted the Lord with all of his heart, he obeyed the Lord with all of his heart, he fought for the Lord. With all of his heart. He followed the Lord with all of his heart, and whatever Mr. Greatheart's hand found to do, he did it with all of his heart. It's not surprising then that many Bible commentators and expositors refer to Caleb as Mr. Greatheart. The story begins in the book of Numbers, uh, chapter uh, 13 and verse 6. And the final mention of his name is in 1 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 56. And he's mentioned uh, 32 times in five Bible books. Now tonight I I have three simple things I want to share with you about the times and the testimony of Caleb. The first thing that I want to draw to your attention is the significance of his name. Now Caleb, as far as I can understand, had two meanings to his name. Uh, the first meaning uh, means a dog. That doesn't sound very complimentary. Uh, usually when a person is referred to as a dog, it's a term of great insult. Uh, the, the Jews looked upon Gentiles and called them Gentile dogs. So in many cases it's not very complimentary. That word dog is actually found 41 times in the Bible. I suppose you knew that anyway, way. But I just want to remind you of that. 41 times. 32 times in the Old Testament. And 9 times in the New Testament. And there's only one breed of dog mentioned in the Bible. And you've guessed it, I suppose. Any guesses? Greyhound. Would you believe? that a greyhound is mentioned in the bible well you look at proverbs chapter 30 around 29 or 30 you'll find that word greyhounds that's the only breed of dog that is mentioned in the bible and now dogs were used by the shepherds uh, to look after the sheep uh, sometimes that term is used of false uh, apostates the apostle Paul mentions that in some of his epistles you remember the time when Lazarus lay at the gate of the rich man and uh, he had uh, nurses who came to him on occasions. Did you realize that? The only people that cared for Lazarus were dogs. And they came and they licked his sores. So that's the only love and care that he received. Now, my brother likes dogs and uh, there's a time his hand just to break out, you know. And he didn't mind the dog licking because whatever was in that tongue or whatever, it brought healing to his hand. So here's this man, uh, object poverty, and the dogs come, the only care that he receives. So uh, these are a few things brought to attention about dogs in the Bible. But traditionally, there's one admirable quality about a dog known as man's best friend, one virtue that no other animal seems to have or possess, it's the very fact that it follows the master and is very loyal, very faithful, one of the most faithful animals on the earth. So the emphasis of his name is not just on the animal itself, but the fact that the dog was a trained animal, an obedient or loyal animal to its master, a dog that was always at the heel's of its master, that was Caleb, and that's a tremendous feature about this great man of God. So, in that sense, Caleb was indeed a dog, a loyal, faithful person. He followed his master from uh, the day he left Egypt until the day he was called home to glory. So, keep that in mind. Uh, the, dog, the, the name Caleb means dog, but there's another meaning. It also means all heart. Or whole heart, and that perfectly suited this great man of God as well. He was uh, never half-hearted about anything. Uh, He was uh, not lukewarm. He was not insincere about anything. What he did, he did it with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his soul. Whatever the Lord asked him to do, he did it. He did it willingly, faithfully, no holding back, no insincerity. So his name means a dog, or Uh, when we apply the second meaning all or wholehearted you put the two of them together we have a wonderful picture of the character of this man he was faithful to his master in all things following the lord holy with all of his heart the six times i'm not going to give you the references tonight but six times uh, in the bible and you can do that as a little exercise for next week, you can find these six places and really surprise me next Tuesday night by informing me that, yes, I've discovered these six places. Six places in the Bible where the emphasis is upon these words He wholly followed the Lord. He is a, a personification of the New Testament exhortation Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Now, some say, that that word holy, sometimes it's translated fully, that word holy or fully describes a ship at full sail. And so you have this ship out in the ocean at full sail, and it's carried on forth by the winds, and making progress, no going back, moving on, moving forward. That's the, t- the, the picture of this man. He's moving on. The sail is open to the winds of God. He's doing a great work for God. All those years in the wilderness, from start to finish, everywhere in between, this character, lies Caleb, very faithful servant of God, he straddled no fences, he held nothing back. Uh, his was a free sale, a free sale of his life, was open to the winds of God's grace. Now another says that the phrase means to close the gap. Now. For people who've got one of these travel cards, you can go on the train free of charge. Some people, uh, don't like other people to know what age they are, that they're pension age, so they, they'll not apply for it. I would have applied for mine at 50 if I could have got it. But you're on the train and you're sitting there, you have no care in the world, you have no expense involved, the conductor comes around, you hold up the card, smile the face, no, partly with the money. And then as you get off, off, mind the gap, mind the gap. Well, this particular phrase also means to close the gap, to close the gap. And it's used by hunters to refer to closing the gap between them and their prey. So here we have a hunter or a group of hunters. They need food. They're out in the wilderness. They need food and supplies. So stealthily, they make their approach to this particular animal and they try to close the gap. They get as close as possible, a bow and arrow or a rifle, whatever. They're closing the gap. They want to have food on the table for that night. So it's used by hunters to refer to closing the gap between them and the prey. It refers, in the instance of Caleb, he committed he committed to keeping distance between him and God at a minimum. He wanted to be as close to God as possible. Mind the gap. Close the gap. Dog. Whole hearted. All hearted. Following the Lord. The sails open to the winds of God. He's met, been led of the Holy Spirit. He's pressing on with God. He gave all of himself to God. Remember what I said of uh, Amaziah. Second Chronicles twenty-five two, as typical of many, has to be said. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Ah, not like Caleb. Caleb had a perfect heart. He followed the Lord wholly, fully. He was a man of God, man who served the Lord and who kept close. Spurgeon said, "A spirit of partial obedience." As a spirit of radical disobedience. Caleb was not a prophet. He was not a preacher. He was not a Paul or a Peter or a Moses or an Abraham. He was just Caleb. And he was content to be just Caleb. He was content to be what God had in store for him upon earth. He was content with his lot in life. And what a character he was. What a testimony he had for the glory of God. Uh, U.S. President Eisenhower told a story uh, in his younger days his family uh, an old farmer who lived nearby owned a cow and uh, the family wanted to buy that particular cow so he went over on behalf of the family, he visited the man and he asked about the cow's pedigree now the old farmer from the hill country, he didn't know what pedigree meant and so he asked about the cow's butterfat production. And again, he said, I have no idea about those things at all. So finally, Eisenhower said, asked him if he knew how much milk a cow produced each year. The farmer shook his head and said, I don't know, but she's an honest old cow and she'll give you all the milk she has. Isn't that a good description of a child of God? child of God ought to give God and his work all that they have for the praise of the saviour's name God's people need to be like that old cow I'm not looking at that but I'm saying that term don't you think that for one moment I don't want a hymn book landing up here in the pulpit but but keep the old cow in mind she'll give you all the milk she can give and that's all God expects of us all the milk we can give for the praise and the glory of God so that's something about the significance of his name you'll remember that every time you hear a dog barking think about Caleb Every time you're on the train, mind the gap. You'll remember what that—the uh, significance of thats close the gap. Keep close to the Lord. Walk with him, and uh, the old cow? Uh, think about what that—the significance of that. Then the second thing is the spotlight of his, on his nature. Uh, Moses tells us that Caleb had another spirit, uh, number fourteen twenty-four. Another spirit. He was different. Now, there were hundreds of thousands of people, men, in Israel, but Caleb was different from the rest of them. Isn't that amazing? Hundreds of thousands of men in the land of Israel, but Caleb was different. What caused Caleb to be such a faithful, wholehearted man? The Bible says he had another spirit. And this was the very thing that distinguished Caleb from others, the fact that God put a spirit within him. Uh, And you can read about that in uh, Ezekiel 36 and John chapter 7. The the gift of the Holy Spirit within the child of God. That, That is something, the love gift of Christ to his church. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit to lead us, to make us different. To enable us to be different. To give to us that special anointing to be effective in our service for God. We need that enabling. It is within us. We need to yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Spirit on a regular basis because without the filling of the Spirit, we can do absolutely nothing. And, and Paul reminds us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that term sealed is an interesting uh, term. It, it reminds me of an engagement ring. Uh, you meet a girl, you fall in love, And then as a token that you're going to take her to be your wife, you give her the engagement ring. It's a contract that's really saying, I am going to give you this ring because one day I'm going to marry you, maybe sooner or maybe later. And this uh, sealing of the Holy Spirit is God's promise, is God's engagement ring to his people, that I'm going to bring you home to heaven one day. So we've got this sealing of the Spirit within us promise of God that you're my people and I'm going to bring you home to heaven one of these days sooner or later but you have the proof within my promise and God cannot lie if I had a a car with an engine that was ready for the car cemetery well I would look around and I might find a suitable uh, mechanic who might be able to look out for a new engine for me whatever a better engine And I would employ him to do the work for me. And he would take the time, take the car to the garage and strip out the old one and put in the new one and so on. And then after uh, he uh, uh, charges me well for it and uh, returns the car, uh, I'll get into the car. But if if there's no improvement, I I will really begin to wonder if, uh, you know, he really did put a new engine in it. Or just cleaned it up it's no different in the lives uh, of god's people the rebirth or the regeneration of the spirit of god is the work of god alone Now Lazarus did not cooperate in his resurrection because regeneration is a sovereign act of God in which man plays no role. We've got to understand that this is biblical. This is what the Holy Spirit reveals in Scripture. And after God brings us to life, of course, we believe, we trust, we obey. Then we begin to serve the Lord. But unless God acts first, we will never be reborn in the first place. So we've got to get this right the work is of God. It's all of God, of all of grace. Lazarus is dead. He's bound with the grave clothes. There's not a thing that he can do to liberate himself. Christ comes along and he says, Lazarus, he names him. Because had there been other people in that era, they would have come forth as well. He identified him. Lazarus, come forth. And so you can see Lazarus coming out. He's wrapped up in the grave clothes. And the first thing Jesus says is, There's life there. There's evidence of life now. Because with that command to come forth, the Lord gave enabling. And then the Lord said, loose them and let them go. That's the responsibility of the church. When a child of God, when a person believes and trusts in Christ, then they're handed over to the care of the church. Loose them and let them go. Mature them. Develop them in the things of God. But the work is of God by a spirit And he comes in regeneration. And he puts that principle of life within. And then we act accordingly. We repent. We exercise faith. We believe. We trust. We come. But it's all of God. It's all of grace. That's the way God works. That's the teaching of the Holy Scriptures. This man had the spirit within him, you see. He was different from anybody else. That's what made it so good for him. So we must also realize... That It's not as if dead people have faith. And because of their faith, God agrees to regenerate them. That's not what the Bible teaches. Rather, it's because God has regenerated and given us new life that we have faith. Now, once a briar was growing in a ditch and a gardener came along and he decided to dig it up. And so he did, and he planted it among the roses in his garden. It looked out of place, right enough. And then he made a slit in the briar with a sharp knife, and grafted it with a rose. And when the summer time came, lovely roses were blooming in the old briar. Now, the beauty that was displayed was not due to what came out of the briar, but rather to what was put in. We can apply this to regeneration. The Spirit comes. In a sense, it's put into the life. And then it produces the beauty of conversion and repentance and salvation is there for all to see. It's the work of grace. And we ought to be a thankful people because of this matchless. So, we've looked at two things. Yeah, another two or three minutes yet. I might get through this. Two things the significance of his name, the spotlight on his nature, and finally, the supply of his need. Now, Now, one of the great characteristics of Caleb is that when we read of him in the six different books of the Bible, you might even identify the six books as well. All right. So, you've got a double exercise. Now, my, my wee son, grandson comes home and uh, when I see him, uh, we might say to him, well, any homework tonight? Uh, frowning, he says, oh, yes, the spellings of, uh, of sums to do. And if he doesn't do them, uh, and Nana and Papa will not be too happy and the teacher will not be happy. So I'm the teacher. Mama and Papa's up here. I've asked you to do two things. Have you, do you remember the first thing? What was it now? i asked you to do those six references about wholly following the Lord. And then the six books of the Bible uh, where he's, uh, he's mentioned. Will you do that? Well, you have a wee study. Uh, maybe you're having a cup of tea and a bit of toast tonight. Just think about that. And get your Bible out and spend a few minutes. For some of you, it'll just take a few minutes. For others, it may take a wee bit longer. But you can be enjoying the toast and the tea when you're doing that. See, these six books. We never find him despondent. Uh, He's always confident. We never find him in doubt. Uh, There are many doubters around about him at that time, but not not with him. We never find Caleb in defeat. All who left Egypt perished in the wilderness because of disobedience except Joshua and Caleb, the man who wholly followed the Lord. Caleb was always on the victory side. Uh, we, We never lose when we wholly follow the Lord. Now, he was 40 years of age when he was sent out as a spy by Moses it was some time before when God spoke to his heart through the word that was brought to him from Moses he saw redemption typified in the Passover, he experienced it he passed through the Red Sea Caleb believed God no doubt about that then at 40 he spied out the land and brought back a good report for 45 years after that he lived among an unbelieving people A disobedient people. But all the time he wholly followed the Lord. He stayed with Moses to the end of his days. Then he followed Joshua as he had followed Moses. Never once did he consort with the murmuring crowd. He didn't get involved with the rebellion of Miriam and Aaron against Moses. He never once got involved with the rebels. He didn't side with Korah. Remember Korah and his family. The ground opened and they perished. And when his time came to claim his inheritance, he was 85 years of age. Now you think about that for a minute, bring it right up to 2023. Most people 85 years of age have been receiving a pension for 20 years. And they're maybe looking forward to getting settled in a nursing home. But here's this man at 85 years, and he, he wants to take a mountain. He wants to kill the giants who live in that mountain. This is what God gave him. And this was the promise he was claiming at 85 years of age. So if you're feeling not the way you used to feel, and you're a little bit slower the way I was getting through the car park tonight into the meeting as quickly as possible, remember Caleb, 85 years of age. Give me this mountain. I'm going to take this mountain. I'm going to find all the giants that come my way. That's what he's saying, 85 years of age. Most people follow the Lord in spurts. It comes uh, in spasms. They they leap into the church like uh, flying fish leap into the air. Now, when we got a break, we went down to uh, a little place called Dunedin. I'm uh, on about 100 odd miles from home. In Florida on the Gulf of Mexico and Dunedin is the Gaelic name for, for Edinburgh beautiful little place, nice marina there and you, you come in and you see the big sign Dunedin and there's a piper standing in all of his glory playing the big pipes the kilt on, this is Dunedin, Gaelic for Edinburgh and there, there's a trail there And it leads you up to a place called Honeymoon Island. That's a very nice place as well. There's a a causeway. uh, And you can go out to the end of that. There's water on both sides. Now, when we got off the bike, uh, sat down there, we had our picnic there. It's a wee bit cool. It's only 75. And we're sitting there uh, shivering, you know. uh, And we're freezing out here in the sun. You know, it's terrible. And so you sit there and you have your picnic and uh, you go to the end of that, and then you come to this honeymoon island like that there. But there's a pad up to that. You're riding along the bike, and you see these fish. And they're this, this the, the Gulf of Mexico, and they're jumping up out of the water. And they're maybe jumping, I don't know, four or five feet, and then they're back into the water. And that's like some people... Uh, When they come to church, they they come in spurts and spasms. They they just leap at these uh, flying fish into the air, and then they fall back into the world again, and they disappear. That's what I I could see, and that left a very strong mental picture in my mind. The way it happens. Uh, There's one thing lacking in these shooting stars, and that's faithfulness. Faithfulness to God. There are many who follow Christ in the sunshine who will not follow him in the storm. Uh, and many will follow him in the storm of need uh, when they will not follow him in the sunshine of prosperity. Everything's going well. They don't need the Lord. don't follow him. Suddenly the storm comes and they're in the meeting, and they're bent at knees praying as never before. Sometimes that's the reason why we encounter storms to get us back to the place where we need to be. Caleb was a great man. Uh, I've got to come to a close. In 1992, the Olympics in Barcelona, uh, a man called Derek Redman was a British runner. He participated in the Olympics on that occasion. Barely 400 metres into uh, the race, he pulled uh, a hamstring and fell to the ground in great pain and agony. Everyone thought he he was finished. But to his surprise of the crowd, uh, this courageous athlete slowly stood and began to hobble around the track. I was having a tough time. However, even with such tenacity, it was apparent that there was no way that he was going to complete the race. And he fell down again to the ground. And all of a sudden, a man ran out of the stands and put his arm around him and assisted him across the finish line. And the stadium erupted. They roared with approval. And the scene was a very moving one, made more significant by the fact that the one who came alongside Derek Redman was his father. Together, linking arms, arm in arm, father and son crossed the finish line. We face many giants just the way Caleb did and Joshua did in their day. And sometimes we grow weary, sometimes we have a collapse along the pathway of life and falter and fail and get depressed and discouraged and give up. But remember this, our Heavenly Father will come to us, put his loving arm around through Christ and he will be with us as we cross the finish line he will never fail us he will never disappoint us he's the Lord our righteousness so we're thinking about Caleb and his times had he rushed down I couldn't get my mind clear just starting at the very beginning but there's some things you've learned tonight anyway I trust next time you hear a dog bark remember Caleb next time you're on the train watch the gap or whatever it is think about Caleb Caleb when you face your giants, think about kill When you think about Redmond crossing the finish line with his father, think about the day when we'll go marching home, sweeping through the gates of the new Jerusalem, washed in the blood of the Lamb. May God bless his word tonight. We'll go down to have our time of prayer, please. Let's all pray. Uh, our brother uh, McLean has mentioned the need to pray for a pastor and Uh, We do need to be much in prayer, redoubling our efforts in place of prayer these days uh, for a man. Uh, Different people will be coming in these next months. I pray that God will be pleased to bless them and bless you as you listen to them. Uh, We have good reports of preaching on the Lord's Day. It's good to hear that. Other Sundays as well. I trust that the Lord will continue to keep you encouraged and keep you much in prayer because we do need a man. And tonight, please focus, if you can, upon the, the business of praying for a man and other things as well. But as I have said many times before, I'm going to keep on repeating it. Keep your prayer short and to the point. And if need be, pray a couple of times. Keep the prayer meeting moving. Keep it alive. Let's get down. Seek the Lord's face. Father, we do pray that thou wilt help us to be like Caleb. We feel very inferior at times. We feel... Incompetent at times. We feel useless at times. And of ourselves. But we draw near to thee tonight. To pray for grace. The grace that Joshua experienced. The grace that Caleb experienced. The tenacity that they showed on occasions. The wholeheartedness. That they had in their lives. And granted the Lord will make us a blessing. Here in this congregation. Send us a Joshua. Send us a Caleb. Send us a man of God to this congregation to lead the work forward in the days that lie ahead. The Lord knows the needs of the sick and the aged and the infirm. And, O God, we commend them all unto thy care. Remember us now in prayer. Teach us to pray. Bring to mind the things that we ought to be praying for. Take away fear from anyone who may have never engaged in prayer before and they may be even afraid to lunch out, even tonight, as they sit here in the presence of their brethren, in the presence of Christ, may they open up and even if it's only a couple of lines, uh, may they break the silence and get onto the pathway of victory and may the Lord encourage them by answering even their short prayers. Oh God, we're thankful that thou art a loving, merciful uh, saviour, thou art one who loves us and cares for us and surrounds us with thy loving care, provides for us and the Lord wants to answer our prayers. Pray ye to your Father. Now that's what we're, we read there in Matthew chapter 6. Pray to the Father. May we get our rise in him tonight. And may the Holy Spirit help us as we pray and seek the face of God. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.